Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. Everybody and welcome back to Projectile Lunchcast episode 54, or as I still like to call it, episode two of the Busty and Marcel Super Fun Happy Fun Hour, which I think is a completely different name from what we used last week, but I can't remember. So that's cool. My name is Marcel. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you with us, and I'm also super glad to have you with me, Busty. Hi, hi. Wait, wait Marcel. Doesn't mean we. It's yes. time for rebranding. Yeah, we should actually rebrand. But, but I mean, you see, that's the thing, right? Like rebrandings are are like. Like first of all, we'd have to find out, you know, like how how do we get in touch with like today's audience? You're like like the TikTok crowd. Because have you ever used TikTok? I'm afraid to be honest. Twitter nowadays makes it so easy to just follow TikTok content because I have the feeling TikTok content gets just streamed everywhere. Yeah, but I, I've never used that either. So like, you know, maybe maybe before we rebrand, we need to figure out what young people are into. Because I have a I have a creeping fear that neither of us are really in touch with what the young the young ones like these days anymore so, so we need an intern that is what you say yes we need a a social media young people lingo savvy intern and if if it turns out that they like games that i don't like to just get fired perfect i mean we won't pay you anyway but it's all for the exposure exposure i hear that exactly oh yeah oh yeah that's uh, yeah i hear that's that's very important uh, you know yeah yeah you'll just get fired like that last guy what was his name uh something with uh, R. Miller? Muller something? Reinhard Muller. Reed? Reed? Reed Muller? Reinhard, Reinhard, yeah, something like. Anyways, like there used to be a guy here that is not here this week. Um, But that's fine. So we'll just have fun without him. This is now like the mandatory have fun with Bastien Marcel roughly an hour. hour. And uh, we will have fun talking about some of the games we played. And also after that, we're going to be talking about some of the gaming news from the past week. There's been a couple things, um, as somehow seems to be inevitable this week, or like you know, looking back at like the last couple of weeks, um, there's going to be Microsoft news to talk about. There's going to be Xbox Game Pass, which I know always delights you. Oh yeah. There's going to be Halo. Uh, we're going to talk about Silent Hill, about EA being interested in buying Warner Brothers, uh, the Avengers finally assembling on my PS4 this week, and so much more. But before we get into all that gaming news goodness, uh, Basti, what have you been playing for the past week? So despite what you guys usually try to tell everyone so that I'm actually not playing video games, I... Actually, actually, actually strictly speaking, there's no you guys left anymore. It's just me and the guy. I, I played video games. Uh, I'm still I, ongoing. I don't buy it. I'm still ongoing in my, my Warframe ventures, but maybe there's something you can talk about a little bit later. Um, I played Grounded. And um, have you actually played Grounded as well? I haven't played Grounded yet since the early access release. Okay. I played it um, during the beta that they had on mm-hmm. Steam um, like a month or so ago. I was very pleasantly surprised. I've downloaded already the early access, but I haven't gotten 
around to playing it yet because I wanted to grind out the last couple levels of my battle pass uh, for uh, Valorant. I see how it is. So, uh, to be honest, I played a lot of um, survival games in the past. Um, there was even a time where I spent maybe too much time in these kind of like games. So then I grow very, very tired of uh, survival games in general and the same over and over game loot. You die, you lose everything. Then you have the, the skill or whatever learning progression uh, running just around and trying to, to somehow get along and maybe build a, build a base. But So there are a couple of things what I really liked about Grounded. First, the art style. That game looks so unbelievably charming. There's so many small details up to, to the bucks. I think they, they nailed that one. Which fits are you the playing theme. out of curiosity? Are you playing with the the arachnophobia mode on or just regular? So I played my first session regular, and uh, some okay. people might know I'm a horrible arachnophobic. And I played for a couple of hours in the first session, and then I died. Um, guess what killed me? A wolf spider. Holy shit! So I'm, I've I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about wolf spiders on my Twitter timeline already. I'm I'm considering playing with the arachnophobic mode next time because oh my god I'm not not sure I'm, I'm I'm prepared for this. But to be honest, I mean I have to say to be honest like I I feel I feel offended that you say you're a huge arachnophobe because some of my best friends are Spider-Mans. So that's kind of awkward now. Isn't that weird? Because I loved, especially as a teenager, I was heavily into the Amazing Spider-Man series. While still being an arachnophobic, but it's your friendly uh, neighborhood neighborhood spidey, so maybe there's a difference. He's friendly. That's maybe that's the difference. Maybe if those you know if those those wolf spiders that clearly live in your neighbor, I mean they literally live in your backyard, right? Yeah. If they were more friendly, maybe that could be something. So the the setting of that game is what really hooked me, and I think that's just a brilliant genius idea to to like this uh, darling. I shrunk the kids, but the English title of that movie, I think so. Um. There's kind of like being in the backyard, finding small things, and then a lot of like interesting traversal potential. Like, oh, there's this baseball lying around, and there's this one like um, twig or whatever I can move over to to go on that baseball or that, that weird thing. I wonder how I can get up there and this kind of like stuff. So the sense of exploration is something which I think that game nailed probably most likely because of the setting and the art style better than any almost any other survival game I've played before. And it is surprisingly polished. Like for a survival game where you you expect it to be janky and weird and have a cluttered odd UI, etc. Um, uh, that that looks really, really, really good. And they put a lot of lot of lot of time and expertise into that. I think the only game, even though the game loop was a little bit weird with that one for me, which come close to that kind of like good UI experience, etc., was um, oh, what was it name? Uh, I forgot the name. The game. Um, where you play in this weird like 50s um, satire setting where everyone wears face paint and this oh, we have a few that's um, also microsoft game now uh, so like the, the the amount of quality when it comes to ui and ux uh, reminded me very much of happy few and uh, yeah to be honest i'm looking forward to play more more of that game even though it has spiders but maybe with anarchophobic mode on this time maybe that's for the better it also seems to have yeah. story, though. There's also something which you usually don't expect from games. Uh, in that genre. Then again, it's, it's Obsidian, right? Yeah. But yeah, as, as you say, like I'm very interested to try it. I've downloaded it. I just didn't get around to it yet. Um, uh, there was also, like when I tried the... 
when I tried the demo, actually now it's August, like two months ago in, in June, uh, really two things that that's, uh, stood out to me was the, as you said, like the graphics. I thought like it was super charming, but also like like everything looked really sharp. Like, you know, it had that great stylized look, but it looked really, really good. True. Um, which was great to see because when the game was announced, of course, and it was also like memed to Helen Beck on, on Twitter. Um, and then to actually see, you know, now that it's coming out and we're going to talk about like the success later. Um, it's great to see that it's doing so well. And uh, the other thing is, yeah, like it, it felt really, you know, considering it, it was back, it was a demo before early access. It was a survival game. It, it was Obsidian who had like a mixed track record. It felt very, very polished for, from from the little bits I played. So yeah, um, definitely. Which is odd for an Obsidian game, right? Yeah, that's why I said like in the past that, that like I'm super excited that Obsidian is now with Microsoft and has their additional resources because it always felt like Obsidian made great games that were like two two polishing passes away from being fantastic games and now hopefully you know they can make more of those yeah absolutely so you've played that and you have you played anything else because you know i'm already delighted to hear that you've played two different video games i mean that's that's what you usually do in like six months so <laughs> i played another one indeed uh, i played griftlands which is a new early access game from clay entertainment the guys who I'm, did... su I'm super richard that richard is not uh, super happy that richard is not here with like his uh, gun like what is what is always say like, like clay or clay well, or clay, whatever clay. This is, i think clay it's the right way to pronounce it right that, that's what i would say yes I, yeah. I just i can't remember what he used to say but he he, he pronounced it wrong and you're pronouncing it right so congratulations i think he's, I think he's just trolling us like the, like is... the office way right way to pronounce pikachu is pikachu right uh, yeah pikachu yeah obviously and he was like pikachu i mean that's maybe just american dialect i don't know so tell me about Griftlands. That's like some post-apocalyptic card game or something, yeah, I think? Yeah, exactly. So what I really like about that game is that it has... It is a very, very interesting, clever mix of genres. So it feels like an... Um, like an adventure game of some sort where you have like an RPG-like story and you progress through a map where there are a lot of events uh, but also a lot of quests you can f fulfill. But the combat is completely played with a with a card system. I mean, so far so good. But also the dialogue, so you can encounter uh, people in arguments. You can often decide. I think almost almost every single time, if you want uh, to combat someone or if you want to engage in an argument, which then if you win that can result in a different outcome. Most likely that they won't die, etc. And you have two different decks with completely different cards and when you level and you advance your decks and depending especially learning by doing how much you do either one of those uh, they will get better so i ended up in a situation where i almost solved 90 percent of all encounters with dialogue so my deck grew exponentially st stronger and then all of a sudden i was in an um in a battle with an end with a with a boss and my energy level so you have basically a health meter which is important for combat obviously if you don't have a lot of health left before you sleep you might don't want to like encounter in a combat because you die quickly quicker obviously but you have uh, like a like a kind of like karma similar pool for dialogue so i ended up in a situation having a lot of health not a lot of uh, dialogue karma or i forgot how it, how it uh, was named and was forced to um, combat that guy. 
why being having a heavily underleveled combat deck because I never used it. I managed barely to 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 uh, defeat him, and even your companions and your party members become basically buffs with sometimes very interesting mechanics. So they don't they are not not just like characters, especially in dialogues. So they give you give you interesting buffs and stuff. And other than that, the art style is super charming. But when it comes to to uh, the art department, Clay Clay usually knocks it out of the park with every every That's game true. they, they do. make very pretty games. Yeah, and uh, I just like the the whole game loop. Like the story was interesting on um, the art style. Um, I had a lot of different choices how to progress the story, how to encounter different uh, quests. And I think that is the thing which I like most that the game gives you really a sense of options how you progress the story but also how you build your deck and how you build your strategies so i think that is what makes card game battles interesting in rpg like games that it allows you a level of customization of your weapons so to speak which you usually don't have with classic combat systems it's good i absolutely recommend it so is that also early access or is it already fully out uh, i think it's early access no there's this early access Okay, so if you had to, if you had to pick, would you rather fight me or have a debate with me? I know how annoying you can be in a debate, so I would fight you. Also, you're I like was, a roughly a head smaller I than I am. So. That's not quite that bad, but yeah, it makes sense. I can I can see where you're coming from. People will now think who listen to the podcast will will now think that you're super small. So, goal achieved. I am I am of almost average size. For a German man, I think almost slightly, slightly below. I think I don't know. Actually, I don't even know what the average size is, but you know, I'm fine. I like to say I'm average in uh, any regard, so I'm one meter eighty-two. I think that's just super average. You're just a basic German busty. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, that's something. So yeah, as I mentioned, everything. I've been. Yes, I have been uh, playing some more Valorant because uh, season one actually ends tonight, I believe. Season two is starting tomorrow, so I want to grind out the last couple levels of the battle pass to get that, uh, you know, finished and um, everything as as a as a completionist, you know, got all my cosmetic stuff. How is it holding up so far? Good. Um, yesterday, I know I had one of those moments like that that I always wonder about because you know, like some of the. Some of like the discourse I I see, you know, for example, on something like Reset Era, like there is, a, I see a ton of people who are, you know, violently opposed almost to any anything multiplayer. You know, for them it's always like, you know, a video game is only a real video game if it has like a story or something. And I always want to say I absolutely love, you know, story-based games like, you know, like I mean, Dragon Age or Mass Effect also are some of my favorite games ever, right? But I uh, just yesterday had one of those moments where I think to myself, you know, like even even with like the the choices you can make in games like you know like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or The Witcher, it, it more or less it's like you know other people will be experiencing the same story. Okay, maybe not in The Witcher where I managed to get the absolutely worst possible story, so maybe others won't have that. And fingers crossed for them that they do not. But you know, it, it still feels like a a story that is you know not, not really mine. And so, for example, yesterday the last game we played was. Um, we we were way behind. Uh, we had a great comeback. Um, took it into overtime because they got a new overtime rule in, in Valorant since a couple of weeks. Where now you know, it, like it used to be in volleyball, like you must be two score apart. Mm-hmm. So for example, now you can win with fifteen thirteen or sixteen fourteen or something like that. Okay. And it was it was the the second the second round of overtime. So if we were going to win this, uh, we would be um, winning the match. 
after coming back. Um, my team died very early, so I was alone against four people. I managed to kill the first two of them. That was enough to load up my ultimate because I was playing Sage who can rest people. So I rest uh, my brother, I think. Um, while he was getting up and trying to flank them, I killed one more guy. Was half dead myself. I see the final person standing right next to the spike, so the bomb which is ticking down. Managed to kill them as well, defuse it. Um, overtime match round, you like uh, game one. And I thought to myself, like that is like something. Um, you know, that is that is my story now. That I had with with my brother and two of my best friends. That is mm -hmm. something very unique to us. That moment, that experience. You know, I can absolutely, I'm sure that. A year from now, you know, when we talk about Valorant, like uh, somebody will bring this up and be like, "Hey, remember that one time? You know, Marcel was really clutch in, in the overtime and, and killed four people and got the rest and defused the spike and won us the match." And that's always a bit weird to me. That's for some people, they they seem to think that you know, like uh, multiplayer or like you know, story and multiplayer are completely different things because it always feels to me like that multiplayer is where I make my own stories or like especially of course the best ones are like the ones you share with your friends or like some of the some of the times we had when we played league of legends together or so in the past and when i flashed in at the last second as sona to confirm a kill to save you Ugh. Ugh. don't remember of the, don't remind me of that so yeah you know that is that is always like for me the the, the, the really the draw of why I like multiplayer games like the feeling of if if something special happens like a special story or so it's like a story that more or less i made or my friends made or something it's not it's not a story that a very creative game writer somewhere wrote and that everybody who plays the, who plays the game is having more or less that same moment it's all about that magic moment right i mean i think that is yes. one one part key part Definitely. of the success of league of legends and i think in, in direct comparison league of legends was way better in creating magic moments than hot um Heroes of the Storm is an example, which was a great game because everyone had the feeling of, okay, I'm not falling behind. But I think when it comes to this kind of like, oh, that was my my magic moment. I um I won that match or I did this great thing. League of Legends was always better than Heroes of the Storm, in my opinion. That's a good point. I mean, I loved Heroes of the Storm. I played it a lot with, with friends, some of the same friends I'm now playing Valorant with. But I do not remember too many individual moments like from Heroes of the Storm matches. It would be like a, you know, I had a lot of fun playing that game with friends. But I think really like the, the thing I remember most was when I was playing Zeratul and was in voice chat for my friends uh, role playing as a German submarine, <laughs> hunting, al hunting allied ship, shipping convoys. I think they quite liked that. Um, but yeah, you know, as you say, like there's definitely games that are more suited, you know, to, to making those big story moments like for yourself that you really remember. But speaking of, you know, other kinds of great story, I also finished a Command Conquer Remastered. So I had already a couple of weeks ago, I finished Red Alert Remastered. And now I finished original Command and Conquer Remastered. I'm playing through some of the bonus missions now. I already finished the Dinosaur. Awesome missions and you know it's it's uh, i still absolutely think that this is for me um alongside now that it works alongside the master chief collection i think this is the the gold standard of how to do a remaster um because i think like with all the bonus content everything they've did a fantastic job with those command conquer games uh, there's still a lot of fun to play kane is still a super charismatic dude joe joe Kukin. But um, of course, you know, like some of the uh, some of the, the the things you can see, maybe that they, those games are a little bit older by now, and you know, maybe some things have evolved a little bit or, or gotten better in the RTS genres since. But still, you know, if if um, if somebody played Command and Conquer in the past, 
uh, and has nostalgia, I would absolutely recommend playing the remastered version. Or even if you have never played it, if you always hear old people like Basti or Richard talk about, you know, Command and Conquer in the olden days, and you're curious, maybe still also give it a try, because, you know, it's still, it is a, a ton of fun, as I said. Like, also, and what I really like is just, like, the, the amount of bonus stuff there. Um, you know, that these were the days where, like, you, you would buy a game that has multiplayer and, like, two campaigns and everything, but then also you can unlock a campaign where you fight dinosaurs and in the final mission of it you just play the dinosaurs and you have to you have to destroy a base and stuff like that um it, it was it was clearly the wild days you know where it was much where game development was much faster and easier so you could really go crazy with ideas that these days you go to your producer and they'd be like are you are you mad that's going to take us a year i absolutely agree i think that this is in fact the the golden standard of remasters but like uh, and i th also think the campaign hasn't lost its charm like it would be I'm I'm curious. Like I would 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 hear love to hear opinions from people who have never played Command and Conquer now getting into it. But there's one thing I have to address here. I played for two three evenings in the last couple of weeks um, the remaster uh, CNC and CNC Red Alert multiplayer, and boy, that multiplayer sucks. We played. Like the, the especially Command and Conquer has extremely small maps, and the very basic um, stone paper skither system was not really enjoyable. With Red Alert, it was a little bit bigger, uh, better because the maps were, were way larger, and we had more funny, funny and crazy units. Uh, and we had one or two magic moments. Like uh, my friend tried to rush me with uh, fifty German shepherds, mm, which ran. Right directly Classic. in front of my bunker which was a horrible sight to behold i'm, I'm still traumatized by that but other Pretty than cool. that we had way more fun playing age of empires 2 multiplayer than command and conquer to be honest i think that that the multiplayer shows that the game is very very kind of like basic from the systems which you don't uh, realize that much in the campaign because the campaign is that damn good and interesting but um you know, we had not, actually not that much fun but I remember that back in the days, it was obviously before StarCraft, uh, I played the shit out of the, the, the multiplayer mode and enjoyed it. But it's not really holding up for me. Yeah, I think like really, uh, I mean, I think even to this day, you know, of course, a ton of games um, still follow a, in some, or to some degree, that rock, paper, scissors balancing approach. But I think like here, it's really, it's it's over the top, like it's way hard coded. To the point where um, a single infantry guy, I think he can take you know several rockets from an attack helicopter because you know he's not the uh, you know the paper to that scissor yeah. or something. Um, so it, it does feel very weird to to watch sometimes uh, because yeah, like they they just like really went hardcore back then on the rock paper scissors and it shows. But again, you know, still it's it's fun. But we you know transitioning smoothly because you mentioned I think that last week we were a little bit light on the segways. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of our audience, like, you know, tune in specifically to, to hear the Master Chief of Segways, that being me, segwaying smoothly through segway-worthy things. Oh, boy. I was trying, trying a little bit too hard there, I think. But yeah, we're just talking about stuff, uh, you know, that we played, and now let's transition over to news. And you played some Warframe, but also there's been some Warframe news, right? So, Busty, please, uh, take it away. Tenocon. Take us to Tenocon. First, uh, purely digital Tenocon, uh, thanks to the pandemic. And first and foremost, like, 
even if you don't play Warframe, I think the the whole formats and especially the developer streams of um, digital extremes are something you should pay attention to, because the amount of chemistry these guy has, these guys have, and in front of camera and how much fun they have, it's just it's just brilliant. Like it's it's enjoyable. Like they manage to be not corporate at all about their stuff, um, while having a great chemistry going on by not being, let's say unprofessional sometimes you have feelings there are some studios who are very leaning into the fun side of things but then it feels a little bit unprofessional but i think when it comes to to death streams digital extreme for me is almost like uh, uh, the, the absolute golden standard and uh, yeah it was was great like the amount of content they put into that game especially the upcoming content is really 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 awesome um Warframe is a little bit of an odd one because it's like almost eight years old now and you have the feeling that from the start they never expected that this game would become that big and from a systemic design perspective they also like just add just ton and ton more things without or with hesitating going back and changing a lot what as an example lol especially in, le- in recent years did but I think Warframe became such a beast of a game that it's really, really hard for them to go back and change things. But they actually do now a lot of the stuff. I mean, they they addressed that obviously to, because of the pandemic. They had a lot of delays, um, but they're bringing a complete new play experience. So this might be, I think it's coming also with the next update on twenty fifth of August. So this might be the absolute best time if you never tried Warframe to just try it from twenty fifth August on for the new overhauled uh, first play experience. Uh, they're bringing a new open world um, area which addresses basically almost all the criticism I had in the old open world areas. There are two right now. The third one will be more dense, more story. Uh, I'm still impressed by the visuals of that game, even eight years in and how, how good it performs. But the whole format, format was nice. It was from the beginning. They had a lot of like uh, community appreciation content. They work heavily and very close to the community, which I love. From community uh, members designing warframes to how they showcase fan art and all this kind of like stuff. Um, I was never physically at the Tenocon. I was missing a little bit of that panel feeling. Like they discussed with t- partially the art director and and stuff, like fan art and. Um, cosplay and all this cool community stuff but I expected a little bit more hey let's bring a game designer up in a stream and talk a little bit about the the specific uh, nooks and crannies about the Warframe game design to give a little bit more um, meaty insights about the game not just like community appreciation but on the other hand probably that is what Tenocon is for but the one hour live stream was really really great Marcel, even if you not uh, uh, like or aka never played Warframe, they will bring um, Max into that game with a new update, which gives me seriously good warmer 40k vibes. Imagine like a big gothic cathedral looking Mac with a skull face. Uh, you should check that one out. But I would it... love to give I would love to give it a try, but unfortunately it's on Game Pass, so what oh. can I do? Um, that was an interesting, interesting uh, Tenocon. I uh, absolutely recommend to watch uh, at least the one-hour uh, actual live stream where they we presented the new content. They're leaning in way more into the story now. Um, I think I said that in, an, in a previous episode. Small disclaimer: when you start playing Warframe, there's almost no story whatsoever. But 
at some point in the mid game they actually start with the story part which was developed years when the game was actually out and the story is absolutely brilliant like uh, some of the story quests are some of the best sci-fi story quests I especially played in a shooter on a free to play game really really great um, a little is, bit edgy isn't that the same thing you said about Final Fantasy 14 about the story coming late or the good story no Oh yeah! Uh, every word in like the Final Fantasy, like oh, yeah, oh yeah, just yeah, play for yeah, fifty hours and the story gets great. Yeah, true. Ooh, maybe I see a pattern here. True. My, it's a little bit Final Fantasy in that regard. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, Warframe. I'm still enjoying that game. Still learning new things and with the new content. Um, I know that I will play that game at least until September. Got got still a, a good bunch of friends hooked to that game. Uh, who uh, play now with me in in, in a group and very very dense but you have to you have to to like that kind of like diablo kind of like loot grind loop to get new equipment and stuff so there's still pretty much the core of that game tenacon great great show and i think they managed very well despite of that pandemic and all the problems and marcel i mean you know we we, we know a few things about like how it's hard to to deal with events and stuff during that time i think that they managed to to pull a great show um off for several hours they have a lot of interesting formats despite other difficulties. Good stuff. Nice chaps at Digital Extreme. Shout what, out. Uh, what, what, what current digital pet are you rocking? Um, still the same. To be honest, I didn't got too deeper into the pets lately. I'm trying to get the space cat because I like cats. But uh, they're also to have an effective pet, like the, the animal pets, because there are other sentinels called like robots and stuff. I have way more of that. Uh, they're a little bit of a money sink, which is good, but uh, I'm currently a little bit short on money. In that makes game. sense. You gotta you gotta be saving up for you know for Avengers. Uh, Ooh. Um. So, but you know, like, I, I feel like you know we got a good chemistry today. Like the segues are flowing naturally. You just mentioned Max, and that brings me naturally to the last Mac game I played, which was Mac Warrior Five Mercenaries. Came out last December on the Epic Game Store. And it was this week the first ever game to receive modding support on the Epic Games Store. Now, that is one of the um, many things that uh, former Projector Lunchcast uh, partner and now notable absentee Richard has admonished. Um, the lack of features on the Epic Games Store and modding was, of course, one of them. And it's now here. Um, so far, it's for one game only. Funnily enough, just like achievements, I think uh, two weeks or so ago, they added achievements to the Epic Games Store, but so far, it's only being supported by Arc. And now modding is here, but it's only being supported by Mac Warrior 5 so far. Um, I feel like, you know, at least they, they picked a, a pretty good game um, for their for their first mod support game. Because uh, Mac Warrior, for, for those people not familiar, like the previous games, uh, Mac Warrior 4 series of games they had a huge modding community that like added tons of new max over time some of which were oh, later yeah. actually like of more or less officially added to the game as like a community mod pack or so and considering it's just been here for a couple of days i am counting 21 mods on there already a couple max um different uis improved weather effects improved weapon effects you know that's it's definitely off to a promising start i would say so if you're playing mac warrior 5 mercenaries on pc you should uh, definitely check it out. There's already also um, a early version of a of a gameplay mod that essentially changes MacWarrior 5 into Mac Commander. So like you play uh, isometric commanding your Holy mechs, shit, I need this. Pretty cool. I want to definitely. I'm definitely want to try that one. 
so yeah, that is something that is something cool. And you know, transitioning smoothly is always segueing like the pros from the Epic Game Store to another semi-popular game store on PC. It's Steam. And you know, it brings us back to what you said earlier. You've been playing grounded a little bit, and it turns out, Basti, that you are once again just a very basic mainstream German Basti, because it turns out a ton of people have been playing grounded recently. Um, it went into early access on the 28th, I think, was it? Mm, uh, I think so, yeah. So, yeah, tw July 28th, so last week, Tuesday. And three days later, I think on Friday, they already uh, were overjoyed to announce that they had over 1 million players. Um, so far, it's available on uh, Xbox Game Pass via the Xbox Game Preview, which is you know the Xbox version of Steam Early Access. And on Steam Early Access, it was quite interesting again to see because, as we mentioned earlier, when the game was first announced, there was a lot of you know like people making fun of it, like, "Oh, look, this is, you know, this is the kind of exclusives that Microsoft gets." While Sony has, you know, whatever uh, The Last of Us or so, and they get this weird kids hunting bucks game or something. Um, uh, it was immediately upon its release on that day, it jumped to uh, number one global on Twitch. Uh, you know, ahead of every, anything else, like had Still over 200,000 people I've, I've, I've seen personally watching it. Uh, and it jumped to the number one slot on uh, Steam global sales. It was also uh, the number one, uh, you know, in terms of money made um, game on Steam last week, um, they announced. And, you know, it, it was, yeah. It, it it feels like you know maybe maybe for all the jokes people made about this um, maybe Microsoft is onto something because last week I think in the at times in the top ten uh, sellers on Steam there were four Microsoft games. Um, Grounded was number one for a while. Uh, my Flight Simulator was number one for a while. Uh, sea of Thieves has been I think more or less constantly in the top ten since it came to Steam uh, in May. And also the Master Chief Collection was up there again. So yeah, at times for Microsoft Studios games, um, all of them, you know, being part of Xbox Game Pass on PC, um, still, you know, selling extremely well on Steam. So what is your take on all of that? Isn't that crazy? I mean, I mean, obviously with with PlayStation, the big uh, first party titles and huge marketing campaigns. Like, do not forget that Sony also puts incredibly huge marketing campaigns behind that that games. But uh, you usually have the classic uh, reporting of like, okay, this is a first week sale. This is like so much uh, copies sold in the UK, etc. So they, they're pushing that narrative of that game is successful. While you have games like this one, or a, a lot of others, example, who are Sleeping Giants, who usually um, you notice, oh, this game is a thing and people playing it. But then usually you get only the news and all the stuff around it if you're actively following that game. Um, so, like, there's not even close as much hype as grounded uh, around grounded as obviously the Last of Us, etc. Et on social media, but still. What what is the price of that game in early access? I think it's thirty bucks. That means, even though people could get the Xbox Game Pass Elite for two months, they just over a million people paid for that game. Well, not not they're not all on Steam. So, like that million players includes oh, okay. Game Pass. But I would still say, considering that game, I think initially it was developed by four or five people. I think now they said it's around 14 people. I would probably say it's fair to assume that the game has already recouped its cost at this point. The return um, of investment you know, is, is absolutely despite, crazy. Despite being not out yet officially fully. So yeah, that's definitely been, been going very well for them. I would love to and, get some some Steam extra Steam data of Steam players because like the idea that people still go to Steam and buy that game on Steam and when it was a top seller 
instead of getting just like say a month of a su subscription to trying it out um, good stuff that that's great for obsidian because often you think with game pass that um the studio's getting paid just by clicks or um times uh, time played on 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 that uh, subscription model but they that they're still able to sell copies of that game while being on that huge subscription is great for them Definitely. And as I said, like, you know, it's all of those games. Like, uh, Flight Simulator is going to be on, on uh, Xbox Game Pass, and yet it was number one on Steam last week for a while. Um, sea of Thieves has been perennially on there in the yeah. top 10 for months. Um, so, yeah, I think you can definitely see here that that Microsoft's, uh, you know, whole strategy um, is, is working out for them. Like, the, yes, they are not selling as much consoles as Sony, that's for sure. Absolutely no doubt about it. But clearly, you know, they're getting a ton of players engaged with their games. But also, you know, in the in the um, interest of fairness, so people don't think that this is turning into a, a, a Xbox fan podcast or something. Also, Ghost of Tsushima has been uh, hugely successful. Uh, Sony has announced already that it is the fastest selling new IP on PlayStation 4. It sold over uh, 2.4 million copies in three days. Um, and, you know, to put that into context, what are some of the other notable big new IPs this generation? Um, obviously, it means it sold faster than Horizon. It sold faster than... Uh, um, Death Stranding and the question here is really does it include Spider-Man or not? Does Spider-Man do they count that as a new IP or not? Because sometimes company are of course mm, weird with stuff like that yeah. and also that game uh, I think uh, if I, I hear reports that game was not as closely as expensive as uh, obviously your Last of Us or God of War etc. So it's like a, a mid-tier triple A game right? Um, I don't know I, I, I think um, from what I believe, I've read that Sucker Punch like is a significantly smaller team than yeah. you know many other open yeah. world games. Um, but yeah, like definitely, it's been a huge success. Uh, again, I think this uh, Ghost of Tsushima makes a very good. You know, uh, both of them. I mean, like Ghost of Tsushima and Grounded both um, make a very good case of you know like how how shareability of stuff uh, on social media helps your case. Uh, I've yeah. seen so many, you know, pictures from the photo mode of Ghost of Tsushima. It's been all over my Twitter timeline. I've seen tons of people being terrified and complaining about wolf spiders and grounded on my Twitter timeline. So like all these, and again, I think that brings me back to what I said earlier about, you know, my Valorant story. That is, is not a story that somebody wrote. It's just a story that me and my friends and our esteemed opponents made together. Uh, you know, I think like really these, these moments that you share online, they, they can be huge marketing tools for your games, both with Ghost of Tsushima and with Grounded, and we're seeing that right now. I think also, like, uh, last thing I want to say to that is when it comes to the photo mode, which is just a neat thing, but no one actually, you can argue, no one actually needs it. The thing is, with single-player games, I mean, that is obviously open world, but if you compare that to Last of Us, usually everyone has this magic moment because you encountered a very linear story beat everyone else encounters the exact same way. Well, stuff like the yep. photo mode gives you the feeling that this is your own story. You made your own true, artwork. True, you yeah. made your own brilliant visual moment and stuff like this. I think it's important, even for single-player games. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, um, I've, of course, I've also seen a ton of pictures of of The Last of Us. Um, before I, to be honest, before I muted that hashtag on Twitter because, mm -hmm. like, the, the discussions got obnoxious. But um, yeah, you know, I've, I've way more enjoyed seeing the stuff from from The Last of Us. Like yesterday, I saw this. Have you seen this crazy clip with the guy like being knocked through the air by, by arrows? <laughs> and yeah, just like people saying, you know, that's 2020 in a nutshell. I was like, yep, this is this is fantastic. You know, this is uh, this is the kind of stuff, as you said, like where even with a single player game, 
um, you know, in open world or in systemic worlds, like you can you can find these cool stories or moments that are just yours specifically, uniquely. Um, moving on from these to what is probably bound to be the biggest game of the year, uh, Marvel's Avengers. No, no reaction. Give, give us I the mean, news. This is, I'm not really up to this speed. Is, this, is, this is traditionally where Richard is gonna insert like the tumbleweed. With the latest, give me sounds. Give me the latest uh, Marvel Avengers talk. So yeah, um, they last week they had their second war table, which is their you know their name for like their their streaming format, the streaming show that like so far seemed to be monthly. So it's the second one I've done. They've detailed the beta, and I have to say, um, it may be you know I mean clearly I would say you know it's a marketing beta, right? You know, uh, for for a console game to have a beta one month before launch, yes, yeah. sure they're gonna you know find like some bugs and like fine tune the service, but it's not gonna be any huge changes. So you know we can call it a marketing beta. I feel almost like for for one of these marketing betas, it may be one of the biggest I've ever seen. Okay. Um, in terms of like uh, you know, so they they say they have the entire um the the A day, um we you know which is like the opening the thing that they showed last year, like the very linear, but you can try all of the heroes in that mission. That's twenty five minutes. They afterwards have two more story missions with Hulk and Kamala Khan, but in total, um, they say they have more than 20 single player and co-op missions in that beta wow okay. um there's like four different heroes you can try including a lot of their progression and skills so i was thinking like clearly at this point because as you know like last year um the reactions to the three reveal were somewhat tepid um when richard and myself played the game at gamescom uh, we had mixed opinions uh, especially richard um uh, but I think, like at this point, they seem to be feeling fairly confident. You know that they say, okay, you're going to get access to 20 different missions for heroes. That that's a sizable chunk of the game. I think they also said in the same stream that um, overall, including all the different activities, you know, and these range in length from you know, some of the I think war zones are called that can only take 10 minutes or so. You know, like quick, repeatable stuff to grind loot, to raids which which can take up to two hours. They said like in total, there's around like 80 different things. Um, uh, to to play in the in the game at launch, so you know to have like twenty of them, like if, almost like a full fourth of the game, uh, it's like a full yeah. f- full quarter. I think that's quite bold. Um, but what I've also noticed in my immediate social circles is that the the game's reception seems to be really improving. Like you know, compared to last year, um, especially this this uh, war table, like they showed a ton of gameplay from all the stuff that people are going to be testing. You know, later this year, this week themselves. And I think, like, uh, really, it's it's turning around, which I'm ha- very happy, of course, you know, because I'm I'm excited to play the game. And of course, as you know, with multiplayer games, it's in your interest that a lot of people are excited because you know it means there's more people to play with. It means there's you know more content coming down the, ro- the, the road. And the other big announcement they had was that the first uh, post-launch hero is going to be uh, Hawkeye. Um, all the heroes and story content are free. Shouldn't he be supposed in the core team? And how uh, much it depends, does it like, like you know, how, how, how you uh, not so much, no, but maybe that's a good thing because Jeremy Renner's kind of a little bit weird, right? Mm, that's true. So, Who has access uh, to the beta? Everyone, or is it just for pre- people pre ordered? So, this week it's pre orders on PS4, next week I think it's pre orders on PS4 and Xbox, and then on the 21st, uh, it's an open beta for everybody on all platforms. Oh, sorry, no. Next week is also pre-order for for PC. So like, yeah, this week it's it's PS4 pre-orders only. Next week it's all pre-orders, and then like the third beta week, and this is an open beta for everybody to play. Okay. So yeah, everybody can definitely give it a try, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be 
very keen to to play it again because you know i played it last year um i liked a lot of it what i saw i still thought like a lot of it was also rough and i still stand by the fact that i think and that's still mind-blowing to me when you have you know when you when you have a publisher like square and you have a, a ip the size of avengers i think it was one of the worst demo experiences i ever had because it was by far the worst controller i've ever used it was like some terrible i don't know like logitech or something that was just incredible some terrible I for, like, logitech 20- thing I- I played for 20 minutes and like I had cramps. Like that controller was the most uncomfortable controller I've ever held in my life. Okay. Like it absolutely blew my mind that this is what they would be using for their big demo firsthand. So of course, of course, also having a marketing deal with Sony, you would think that they would be able to find a couple dual shocks somewhere, but I guess not. So yeah, hmm. I'm very excited to play that this weekend. Um, other things that other people are very excited about, for example, Blake Jorgensen, who is the CFO, so Chief, Chief Financial Officer for Electronic Arts, he is very excited about the notion of buying uh, studios and talent. Um, and that was the question, sorry, that was the answer they gave uh, when they were asked, you know, if they were still interested in b- buying Warner Brothers. I think this is something that we covered like, when was it, like six weeks or so ago, maybe, yeah, like, so. five weeks? And we all uh, agreed that, like, out of the interested parties, more or less, I think we all said that EA could potentially be the most interesting buyer. Um, so, yeah, when he was asked that, he said, I can't comment on any specific acquisition other than I will tell you that what I've said. Uh... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm really, like, it's always like, you know, I never stutter when talking, but, like, only when I read fucking quotes that somebody said, like, it's when I begin stuttering. It's weird. I can't comment on any specific acquisition other than what I will tell you. As what we said, you've seen in the past, where we've done the best is where we have long-term relationships with people, and we're really trying to buy great talent versus games. Um, so yeah, here essentially sense. they're saying yes, we are quite interested, of course, to buy a studio like Rocksteady, you know, which has a stellar reputation. That is, I think, a, a there's probably very few publishers who can afford it who would say no, I don't want to own Rocksteady and that team and that mm. talent. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, again, they were playing coy. Uh, with with specifics, they didn't really call out Warner by name, but EA, EA has said in the financial call last week that they are more interested right now than ever to to buy talent in studios. So, um, I mean, it fits to the latest strategy in the last couple of years with Respawn, right? I mean, definitely, and that is exactly what he said. So he he also did say, let me pull up the quote on that one. Real quick, because he did very specifically mention mention respawn and and Titanfall. Uh, he said it wasn't about Titanfall, and that's no offense to Titanfall. It's an amazing game, and we'll maybe see a Titanfall at some point somewhere down the road. But it was really about a team, and it starts at the top with studio head Vincent Pella, but it goes all the way through the whole organization. So he really he also said this, yeah, you know. Um, we are we 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 were quite interested by this studio because of course like respawn with with all the talent coming from from infinity ward like i think that was you know one of the hottest indie studios available if you were looking to buy a studio at the time and so i think i'm sure like if you look in you know apex legends now and and jedi fallen order i'm sure that ea is very very happy with that purchase right now okay let's 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 do some some mind games so what do you think like let's say ea will buy something of that cake um, I think Rocksteady makes most sense. I'm not sure if they would buy anything else. Or, I mean, it also depends how, how the deal is, if, if, if they get a way better conditions if they buy more. But I think Rocksteady is probably the number one target for them, right? I 
Probably, yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, there, there's also Monolith, you know, um, yeah. as we know, EA has. And that is really weird because, of course, EA is traditionally a company that does, you know, good with um, the casual market. Of course, they have huge success with FIFA and Madden. They've been really successful with shooters or racing games in the past. But like for whatever reason, really, it feels that open world is the one genre that EA has never really managed to crack so far. That's true. And of course, you know, Monolith, like with the Lord of the Rings games, it's like they've shown that they can do uh, great open world games. Um, Rocksteady, you know, depending on how you want to classify something like Arkham City or, or Arkham Knight is kind of open worldish. Um, Montreal has done with, with Batman Origins. You know, I think like there there's like really studios here that, that can fill like interesting gaps or like, you know, in, in EA's portfolio or, or skill set right now. Because you know, if you look at, at the kind of games that EA has, has they are really feel it feels like lacking something in that action space that is not a standard shooter. You know, of of course they got like uh, Battlefront and Apex and uh, Battlefield there, uh, but you know, like like just like essentially they don't have any equivalent or compared to something like uh, you know Assassin's Creed, Ghost no. of Tsushima, um, all that. So I really think that this would be very complementary to EA's strategy like they they're very successful in a lot of genres but this one seems to be the one that's eluding them so far so really i think for, for me like EA would make a lot of sense as a buyer for that um the other party that has been played up recently has been microsoft which of course would also be very interesting you know as, as we just discussed right definitely of course definitely looking you know, to add more content but maybe they're instead now you know busy buying tiktok which um after a couple of rumors, Microsoft yesterday confirmed that they're interested in buying TikTok's US operations. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. You should keep close attention to Trump's Twitter account. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, so uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Wild times. But yeah, it, it does. It does increasingly feel like uh, maybe by the end of the year. I mean, uh, you know, obviously stuff like that does take time. What will happen to but Mortal I, Kombat? I would expect. I mean, you know, Mortal Kombat. I think it, it's. It feels like you know, it's one of those franchises that you know it doesn't do ginormous numbers. You know, like an open world game can do, or like a battle royale. But I think Mortal Kombat is something that frequently, every what is it, two or three years or so, three years, um, sells a good amount of copies. So I think you know that is definitely something that that Microsoft, you know, Mortal Kombat is perfect for something like Game Pass to have. Could it uh, just put a ton of killer instinct guest and uh, uh, guest characters in there yeah. and but i also think for ea you know like again you know like ea clearly has been trying to and sometimes they had mixed results on you know establishing some of the franchises as games as a service kind of things um i, I think like a fighting game you know, like mortal kombat or so that, that has an established audience that has a studio that is very good at, do, at, at doing that specific thing uh, you know Again, would would take make a, a lot of sense to me personally. Even even though, like, I mean, we talked about that. I think EA is in a really good track record, and they changed for for the better in the last couple of years. With Mortal Kombat going another realm, going to EA, I would be a little bit afraid of the franchise. Like because of what you said, every two to three years, selling a good amount, but not like a total crazy amount of copies. EA's track record is mm, that. That could mean that after a couple of years, maybe they would stop doing Mortal Kombat games because, like, uh, maybe that space scenario kind of like, okay, the games are expensive, but they're not making enough profit compared to the cost of all, uh, or compared to our other IPs. So, let's see. That will be that will be super interesting. Uh, what will happen to all these uh, studios and IPs? Yeah, personally, as like I expect by the end of the year, probably uh, we will know 
what what's happening there because you know, like stuff like that does take some time yeah um something else where you know we will maybe soon know what is happening is that your uh, your personal best buddies um silent hill slash konami um there's i mean there's been a ton of rumors going back a while now like oh, this yeah. year has been crazy in terms of rumors like there's been people saying kojima is doing a silent hill game now um all kinds of you know big profile people are doing silent hill maybe it's sony sony's japan team that's doing a silent hill game or whatever and then people were sure that's going to be announced at a ps5 showcase in june and it didn't happen and people were like it's definitely going to be announced at a ps5 thing in august uh, just today, Sony announced that they are doing a state of play this week that won't have any new PS5 announcements. So maybe that's also not going to be the one where it's going to be announced. Um, but despite all of that, Konami has, I think last Friday, casually uh, confirmed that they've uh, you know, created a new Silent Hill Twitter account. Um, hmm. Which does, of course, kind of imply that something is happening, whether that is you know, re-releases, remasters, pachinko games, uh, God knows. They also released a video of some Silent Two sound, Silent Hill sounds that were actually you know, from the from the guest character in Death by Daylight, um, which really got people excited. And they were like, "Well, sorry to ruin your Friday. It was just you know, yeah, just that was something so from, from a different game that was, that was so funny." Um, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. This is rough for me. Like Konami's a rough one for me. You know, I'm uh, I refuse to to think that people like Hideo Kojima, even though he has a huge impact and he's uh, brilliant um game maker but I, ref I, I refuse to think that it was his doing alone why a company like konami was uh, successful so i think uh, there is still potentially a lot of uh, great guys great game designers great minds at konami who can pull off great things but up to this point given the last year uh, uh, last couple of years also um doing a little bit of research what they else they're doing when it comes to pachinko uh, laws and why some Japanese companies are just switching back and forth all the time I think if there won't be like the, the only way that Konami gets back on track and they, I think they can totally do it without guys like Kojima um, is that if they would have a change in leadership I mean, I understand that, to be honest, especially with the Silent Hill series, it made sense by the time to, to branch out and give that IP to different European and American uh, studios to, to, to don't do it in-house anymore, um, even though the quality was questionable at best. Um, or they, they lost a little bit of the substance or, or what, what makes Silent Hill great. I think without a change of leadership in Konami, I don't know. Like, every time they announce or there's a rumor about something, something Silent Hill... Uh, could be in the making. I, I actually stress out. I'm not getting excited about that because I cannot see. I mean, maybe they they prove us wrong at some day. But uh, Konami is a super weird company. Um, I think from the top top level management, they are not people who care really about games. Um, I don't know. It's weird. And that was also weird. Probably some poor social media guy thought he had a great idea and um. Because, I mean, when you work for a company like Konami and you're in any sense, shape or form responsible for marketing uh, other than marketing pachinko parlors, like, what do you do? Like, you, if you, there, there's so much potential when it comes to IPs and to, 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 to bring fans together and do stuff. But with that track record of games in, in, in the past and controversies, it's, it, you can't do shit anymore. Better be quiet and say nothing. And maybe if you have that one hidden golden bullet 
where you say, okay, there's actually a great game in the making. Don't show it before it's absolutely concrete and you can show something which which people believe in. Well, you know, for me, it's 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 nice because I have zero stake in in um, Konami or Silent Hill or Metal Gear. Uh, I I love drama, so uh, for me, it's, <laughs> it's I'm sure it's going to be an entertaining ride, whatever happens. And ideally, of course, at the end of said drama, there's going to be a a game that the fans will love. But even if not, you know, all, all the more entertaining for me personally. Mm. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what what comes from that. Um. Also, drama, and this is very interesting now, because you know normally the projectile lunch cast is all games and fun, but now we're going to talk about ethics, and I can't wait to hear your take on that. Ooh! Because last week was the so dubbed uh, Nintendo Giga Leak. Mm-hmm. Um, there was two drops of uh, a ton of source code and stuff on 4chan of all places. Mm-hmm. Um, pertaining to a ton of old Super Nintendo and N64 games and people have been sifting through that it's probably going to take them quite a while to sift through all of that because it was a ton of code and stuff and assets um, some of the things people have found is like a, a Luigi model in Super Mario 64 so ostensibly he was supposed to be playable at some point uh, they found traces of a cancelled Pokemon MMO from 2004 from a prototype um, some early maps of Ocarina of Time a prototype of Yoshi's Island uh, prototypes of Super Mario Kart and Mario Kart 64, um, traces of a cancelled Zelda 3 game, um, beta files from Pokemon uh, Diamond and Pearl, uh, Dragonfly, which is the prototype that eventually devolved into pi- or evolved into Pilot Wings. Um, so yeah, a ton of stuff. Uh, hardcore Nintendo fans and gaming historians have been salivating ever since going through that stuff. But of course, um, the big topic or the big question mark all, and all of that, and that's why I'm saying it's about ethics. Is of course, you know, uh, all of that stuff is probably online because somebody hacked some, something somewhere and stole that stuff. So really, um, at that point, you know, what what is your take on on this on, you know, companies owning their stuff and choosing to be secretive about their stuff versus um, what is the word I'm looking for? Gaming. Um, uh, God damn it, Bessie, help me out. What's the word I'm looking for? I have no idea. But I well, have an opinion. Let's, let's, let's say history. Okay, but I have an opinion. So Okay, I want to hear your opinion. Though, first things first. The problem with that kind of stuff is, it's also a problem I have often with leaks, that the the most brilliant data miners, like people who are sometimes able to pull out stuff out of game data where I'm surprised how they managed to do it, have also confusingly often the most stupid uh, opinions and ideas about what that means whatsoever. Like I've seen so many instances where people pulled some old junk data out of games, which was at some point of whatever point of game production maybe considered, oh, let's try it, oh, it's stupid, let's throw it away and spin great stories about this kind of like stuff, raise expectations of communities, then even like start petitions. There's so much stupid stuff regarding this. And maybe the the question is when people now dig through old... um, pictures and old PNGs and files and characters from whatever Star, uh, Star Fox game they will draw conclusions which are probably 90% of the time stupid or th- they won't change anything they don't make anything better yes you, they, it's funny to have a, like a like a discussion about that that time but sometimes we get incredibly demand, demanding and entitled about this kind of stuff I absolutely believe that is another thing I sometimes have an issue with leaks that 
uh, as much as people love this kind of like discussions, what was the channel where these kind of like data were acquired? Probably in this case, something illegal, which is not cool. Second, you have that often also with leaks. Sometimes leaks are made out of stupidity or whatever reason uh, stuff leaks, but sometimes there are a lot of people in the internet spending all their time to just dig as hard as they can to surface leaks, just to be in the talks, just to fuel discussions. I'm not a fan of that, to, 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 to be frank, because um, it's not doing games any favor. It's not helping the studio. It's not helping the publisher or something, especially with newer games when it comes to leaks. Um, people have sometimes the weirdest opinions about that matter. Sometimes they get incredibly entitled. Um, and in general, while I understand that this is a hot topic people want to talk about, just stop drawing too many conclusions. If you see that stuff, yes, discuss about that. Think, oh, that is neat and interesting, but uh, that's probably all to it. Interesting. There was a, a very passionate, interesting take on that from our local uh, passionate internet man, Basti. What's your opinion? Um, uh, I'm partially there with you and I partially disagree. I, I mean, as you know, I am hugely fascinated. I love the topic of cancelled games. Um, uh, of course, you know, like uh, working as somebody who works in marketing communications, uh, leaks can be a, a real, you know, headache uh, for, for me and people like me who work in this field. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, leaks for, for something that's, you know, in development that's about to come out is, is, can be a huge problem and I'm not the biggest fan, uh, especially as a professional working in the field. Uh, in this case, uh, I'm to be honest, totally fine with it. Cause I think, you know, like, uh, stuff coming out like 20 30 years yeah, later very, very about cancelled games, games. you know they're, 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 nobody is is bound to be hurt by this really and that i think it is a shame really that um that uh, so many companies are you know very very hesitant to ever talk about this stuff like personally i would i would love few things more than a gaming company saying like hey you know um 10 years ago, we worked on, on this prototype or whatever. It didn't work out, but we think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see for fans. You know, it's going to be interesting for, for gaming historians because, as we know, um, gaming is a medium that's due to the secrecy, due to, you know, like stuff like going more digital or so, that's going to be kind of hard, really, I think, to archive uh, for historians or so. That's, um, that's I would personally, point, yeah. I, I would personally love seeing that. I remember, like, one time, I can't remember where it was, it's at GDC or so. But like once, for example, Blizzard did a panel somewhere specifically about canceled games, and they showed like you know artworks from I think six or so different games that most of them I had never heard about, and I think nobody else had. You know, some artworks, some concept artists. So I think stuff like that is great. Um, I agree, but there's also the there's there's also sometimes a point that let's say you have a canceled game in a franchise and you continue making another game in the future, and then people. Uh, turn around and say, "Oh, this is bullshit! Uh, you you canceled that great game, which looked great because it was a playable prototype, a vertical slice where everything was absolutely top notch. For this bullshit, and we want that old game, etc." So I, yeah, it, it's rough. I agree with you, especially when it comes to the. Uh, I still would love to see that prey game, which never happened. Prey two, but uh, I agree. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot. Maybe I'm I'm burned from too much bullshit, which is sad. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. In general, I, I never think that there is a one, you know, size fits all solution to these things. And like different games, different companies, there's always a different context. Um, you know, but for example, 
I would love to see, um, let's see, what's an example? Um, I would love to see, you know, if one day um, Bioware would share some of the stuff from, from Jade Empire 2, which we know is something that yeah. has that they have been working on. Like it was it was communicated. I think it was back then. I, I don't know if it was already Phil Spencer, but like somebody back then from, from Microsoft said, you know, we're going to be seeing more of, of something like Jade Empire on the 360 and nothing ever came of it. You know, like, so clearly there are some interesting things that exist somewhere. And um but yeah, you know, um, of course, yeah, in this case, like the, the headache is really, as we said, like it's probably hacked somewhere. So there's clearly been something illegal involved. And it's a shame that this is happening. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, people resort to that. I would at the same time really love if, if some companies, you know, after, again, like give it a 10 year or whatever grace period, like make sure, you know, um, there's nothing related anymore to ongoing projects that you're currently working on. Maybe like, you know, a lot of the people have left the studio, whatever. Just, you know, and, and of course, you know, if you put it out yourself, you can you really curate what you put out there, right? You know, absolutely. Um, to make sure, like you know, nothing, nothing critical or you know, um, weird is getting out. Uh, I would love to see more of that in general. Very good point. Very good point. I, I agree make with the, that the, one. the goodest points. Good <laughs> the point. The bestest. Man. The bestest of points. Best test test. And uh, finally, the last thing, because it seems you know these days we cannot escape uh, discussion of Halo Infinite. Um, there's been two things this week, of course, and last week we talked about the the reactions to the graphics uh, at the Xbox Game Showcase. Release um, the Crake. Release the Crake, uh, which Phil Spencer, you know, has said like uh, that Crake is now deemed the official Xbox mascot internally for them. Um, so clearly they've done the best. Po- I mean, like uh, already on that evening after Games uh, showca- Showcase, I saw one of the community managers from, from uh, 343. Uh, on Twitter, reach out to fans and say like, "Hey, please share all your favorite Crick, uh, you know, memes with me. I want to collect them for the studio." Uh, so okay. clearly, you know, they've they've tried to embrace. It, but I, I, I think really at that point, you know, it's the best thing you can do, because clearly you you cannot get rid of it. You know, the more you hate it, uh, the more people will do it. So really, the best thing is just embrace it and roll with it at that point. And uh, yeah, so three four three has this week put out a blog post where they've answered more questions about um, the game and the demo, and they said two things about the graphics. One, and I think that's also something we, the two of us discussed last week, is that a lot of the style things are very much intentional, uh, that they're going back to like the more uh, bungee no. style of, of, you know, graphics, of color palette to be everything like a little bit more, you know, pop colors um, popping. And um, that is intentional. That won't be changed because, you know, that is what fans want. Uh, again, like I like it. I've seen a lot of people who are in favor of that because... Um, you know, of course, the gameplay change, and that was also very much um, criticized by a lot of fans, but also, um, especially like Halo 4, it, it looked notably different from the Bungie Halo games. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I think it's not a bad idea to go back to that style that, that people loved back in the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always felt like, you know, Halo is, is a very um, shiny in your face thing, but that's cool. And the other thing is that, yes, um, they, of course, take the criticism of stuff like lighting or so to heart, and they agree that work needs to be done to improve the game prior to launch. That's good. So I think that, you know, is, yeah, it's it's the best possible thing you can say that moment, right, comes wise. Um, acknowledge that certain things you won't be changing. That is just what it is. You know, that's what the game is looking like. And the other thing is... Um, on the graphics, they also I found that interesting. They also name checked the digital foundry video from Alex and said like, yes, they've seen it. They they you know Seriously? found it interesting. Yeah, they they clear, uh, said very much yes, they've seen the video, they've talked about it. So, uh, of course, I think also for like digital foundry guys, that has to be like an interesting kind of acknowledgement to see yeah. um, that you know the studio is taking that into account. 
It's almost the, the, the given given the knight's honor. Or what is it called? When you make someone to a knight. Uh, Let's go with Ritterschlag. That sounds great. Perfect. Here's your German word uh, for of the day, dear audience. Ritterschlag is when you knight somebody and turn them into a knight of, you know, knightiness. Knight of the Crick. And the other thing is, um, and they're really the big news uh, that came here. Sometimes the biggest of news can come from the smallest and weirdest of sources. Um, last week, Friday, I think it was Friday night or morning, Somebody noticed that the Xbox Series X listing for Smith's Toys, which is a small toy retailer from Ireland of all places, had a listing on their website that said that Halo 2, uh, sorry, the Halo Infinite's multiplayer would A, run at 120 FPS, and B, would be free to play. And as, as tends to happen with these listings, that listing was very quickly removed after people spotted it. Um, then the rumors simmered throughout the day. People, you know, gave their hot takes of why that makes sense or why it's not happening or if it's bullshit or fake or whatever. Until I think it was like 9:30 or so uh, German time, so Friday evening, not when you expect any news to happen. When 343 uh, actually then took to Twitter to let me see what was the actual wording of the of the tweet. Can't find it. This is good. Don't you don't you love it when you're like looking for a tweet and it just doesn't like your your um, tweet deck doesn't want to let you look for something? Absolutely. So yeah, what they said is Halo is for everyone. We can confirm Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free to play and will support 120 FPS on Xbox Series X. More details will be shared later. I um, like that a lot. First immediate thoughts on that, Busty. Please. I like share, that a lot. Share share your crack insights. I think that is. Um... For especially given the the Microsoft strategy of bringing more people together, um, getting that games on all platforms, making it easily accessible as possible, the perfect hook to get people into Halo, to expand and get even more people probably hooked into Game Pass, um, that will raise a lot of attention. Um, and yeah, I think that it's great. I mean, I'm a little bit. Uh, I, w I wonder if there will be any like monetization attached. Was it Halo Four, where there was this game modes? I haven't. Uh, that Warzone. That's in Halo Five, like where Halo you can 5, buy the yeah. requisitions. Yeah. Um, so what they've said is but there was won't one be loot specific boxes. game mode, right? There won't be loot boxes, okay. but there will be a battle pass. Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, why complaining and about I that? I think if I've heard rumors about that. I'm not sure if it's true. I heard rumors that if you have if you have um, Xbox Game Pass, then you may be getting the Battle Pass. Yeah, um, not sure. No, I like that. I like that. I think that is the best way possible. Uh, Microsoft is fighting for uh, getting more and more people hooked to the IPs and into their system, and I think that's the right way to do it. I think that absolutely makes sense. It will bring a shit ton of people to the Halo universe, which haven't been playing Halo games maybe at all in the past, and the recent success of the Master Chief Collection Steam shows that a lot of people have a lot of interest into Halo, but probably never played that game before. So I think it makes absolutely sense. It's a great move. Yeah, I, to be honest, I found it pretty mind-blowing because as you know, I've been a long time Halo fan. I was back when, you know, the hottest commodity you can find online was Halo 2 leaks and rumors, 95% of which were absolute bullshit and made up by other fans. Um, you know, on the IGN forums and stuff, I remember like those days, you know, when it was just like the classic, my console is better than yours because I have Halo and you just have stupid whatever Twilight Princess. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, to to see, I, I think like it, I would be hard pressed to think of a clearer sign of how the, the you know the, the the times are changing than Microsoft saying here is you know our our triple A franchise that let's be honest has by itself carried carried the Xbox platform for many years yeah. at the start. Um, it's gonna be free to play uh, to in, uh, to an install base of what is it around like maybe uh, close again close to forty five or fifty million or so Xbox yeah. Ones. Um, Xbox One Series X and PC, and it's going to be on Steam. You know, just like just you know the, the potential audience of Halo being free to play from day one on Steam. Um, it's it has the potential really to to bring Halo back to the forefront you know, as one as, as the top uh, shooter and multiplayer franchises yet again, where it was a long time ago before Modern Warfare came in. Um, yeah, it's definitely huge, and like I was I was in a way almost shocked to to see the confirmation um, because. And I also have to say, I felt really bad for them because you know this is really a mic drop moment, and the fact that you you confirmed this mic drop moment on Twitter on a random Friday night because some stupid like Irish toy retailer, you know, was was unable to not put stuff online before they should. I felt bad for them on that. And and I also was wondering, you know, if if at that point they had wished that maybe you know they had ended their uh their the Xbox game showcase with that, just saying, hey, you know, um, there's gonna be more multiplayer news soon. Um. But for today, we're just happy to say it's going to be free to play. You know, that would have, I think, been way more impactful yeah, than just absolutely. having it confirmed like this on Friday night on Twitter. But even then, yeah, like I have to say, as a longtime Xbox fan and an observer of the industry, I was shocked because, you know, it feels, yeah, it, it, as I said, like it really shows the, the, the rules have completely changed. Microsoft is playing a completely different game now than Sony. And again, as we said in the past, we're not, at least I'm not saying that, you know, either one of them is wrong or right. I think both have found strategies that for them, uh, are going to be very successful as a player. I'm super excited, you know, for these different strategies to see um, and to play all the games. But yeah, that was um, that was a, a quite eventful end to the gaming news cycle of last week. I feel. Yeah, I think and, and Halo absolutely deserves it to be to be really, really, really big. And I hope that this will be the console generation, even though it's not not born to the console anymore, where Halo uh, shines again. I would love to see that. Definitely, yeah. Uh, also, interesting uh, implication-wise, they said that the Master Chief Collection, Halo 3, is going to get, uh, I think, cross-play support um, this year. So, of course, you know, you can also see the potential there if if free-to-play Halo Infinite is in the future going to get, um, you know, cross-play between Xbox consoles and PC. Uh, there, there's a ton of huge potential there. I'm really excited to see that. And, um, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what other, like, next week's episode, what, what new Halo news pop up by then that we have to include. Um, slowly turning this into the Halo podcast I always wish it would be. No, I mean, this for them the best case scenario, right? If there's almost every week something where, which keep people talking about that. And I, you currently see that there's still a ton of interest in that IP. And uh, that's great for Microsoft. I think after like especially in that stupid console war where, where people bash each other for non-arguments and non-reasons it shows that despite of a lot of people saying the showcase the games and the exclusives and success of sony um d despite of all that microsoft is still very 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 strong and i feel like they're currently stronger than they way stronger than they were when they announced the xbox one back then yeah, definitely, and you know, of course, you know, as we said, with with, um, with all the success they're finding right now on PC, you know, it's it's of course always easier, you know, to go into transition of of a successful time, 
Um, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think Microsoft is launching this month. Or, sorry, Microsoft-owned studios or franchises. There's going to be four games this month. There's going to be uh, Wasteland 3, which is not, they don't, uh, sorry, that game is not published by Microsoft, but they now own a studio and the IP, and it's going to be on Game Pass. There's going to be Flight Simulator. There's going to be, um, uh, what's it called? Tell Me Why. Yeah. The first episode is out this month on Game Pass, and there's also going to be Battletoads. So uh, I definitely expect, you know, to to see Microsoft games keeping, you know, uh, to be taking up some of the top spots on Steam, for example. Good times. I mean, there, there has to be something exciting in that, that stupid year 2020, right? And gaming-wise, I think it turns out to be very, very, very interesting. Definitely very interesting. And there's one thing that um, I still I, I expect it's going to happen, you know, by the time people hear about this episode, but I, I've been expecting for two months now, because have you noticed it's beginning of August? And do you know what still hasn't been announced? Console price? That as well, but I was talking about Call of Duty for this year. Oh, you know, that is this the series where, oddly enough, I seem to be one of the only person on this planet who is not really big into Call of Duty since Call of Duty 2? Because this week, if it is not announced this week, then it would be three months late. Um, normally, it's always announced pretty much the first week or weekend of May. That's like a fixture for fans. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's almost this week. Since you can say it's three months late, the announcement um, oh, that so game is the... normally supposed to come out in two to three months. So really, you know, you have to start wondering at this point what's up with that. Also, the the Call of Duty Modern Warfare remastered on on um, PlayStation Plus. So hmm. right, and uh, season five of Warzone starts, I think, tomorrow Wednesday. Interestingly enough, I think people have already data mined, going back to that topic, um, Frank Wood from uh, Black Ops as a mm. character in Warzone. So I feel like this is the week. Um, but again, I've been saying that for a long time, so God knows. We'll, we'll know by next week's episode, of course. Um, until next week's episode, Basti, if people want to preach to you and convince you that you should play Modern Warfare, uh, where can they reach you? Uh, they can reach me at Bastian Thun, T-H-U-N, on Twitter. But Marcel, like, while wh- you're preaching, I-, I thought you were still Valorant or playing, uh, still playing both. Um, I have actually uh, been... I- I've-, I've spent, like, the entire afternoon while I was working, I spent downloading Modern Warfare again because I want to see, you know, what's new with the new season. But I haven't played in a while, no. I've been mm. very much knee-deep into Valorant. Um, there's a new he- the new German hero, Killjoy, is coming out tomorrow, a new Battle Pass, so yeah, I'll definitely be playing more Valorant. Um, you can also, if you don't want to hustle the Basti on, on Twitter, you can also send us an email to projectilelunchcast at gmail. Sorry, it's gmail, yes. Yes, it is. I have to think myself. At projectilelunchcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at plungecast. That's projectilelunchcast. All that. one word, plungecast. Plungecast. Just take a plunge into the plunge cast, but it's not spelled like plunge, please. You know, it's spelled like lunch, actually. Uh, or you can talk directly to me, your boy Marcel. Um, it's at com underscore Raven. As always, we are super excited to discuss uh, Halo with you, uh, Xbox Game Pass, or the ethics of hacking, I guess. Um, yeah. I had fun, Busty. Did you have fun? Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, when well, that, when it must that... be nice for you. When that show is over, we have to talk about. Uh, can you still get David Hader on on Fiverr? Because uh, maybe he can can do us a new intro and outro to get rid of that that previous one. Uh, I think yeah, I can still get him. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of great people on, on Fiverr. Like, uh, you know, like I mean, wouldn't you want like the 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 annual, you know, sorry, the weekly 
the Todd Howard joke to be delivered by Flavor Flav or something. Yeah, perfect. I mean, he's probably pretty cheap at this point, I would guess. Yeah, let's do that. But anyways, dear audience, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, stay safe, and we look forward to be listened to by you again next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Yeah, old school. We the old school. Yeah, old school. Been getting that money for a girl sweet as honey. Got me some roses and a little bling. I knocked on her door, she said, what you waiting for? I heard you was looking for a king. Been climbing the pyramid, her steps made of green. I'm getting closer.